0: Recently, one of our members had an extraordinary adventure. It was an adventure. And uh, Molly Trowbridge um, is going to talk about the, the adventure that she was on in Zimbabwe. So, Molly, take it away.
1: All right. Got to make sure my clicker's working. All right. Okay, guys. It's not working. Don't you love it? All right. We'll see. All right. So I went to Zimbabwe um, um, in August, and apparently I need to speak into the microphone. All right. So um, I went to a place called Karanda Mission Hospital. So I've got asked a lot. So where exactly is Zimbabwe? Um, So that's the country of Zimbabwe, and um, so. In Zimbabwe, Karanda Mission Hospital is located in the northern part of the state, right along the Mozambique border. Um, so that's where I went after lovely travels all throughout the world to be able to get there. Um, so, just a few pictures from Zimbabwe, obviously a little bit different than here. We were there during their dry season. Um, so, had lots of just kind of your. I don't know, I guess what you'd expect for your adventures in Africa. (laughs) Um, So we got to see some wildlife and got to um, meet with some of the local village people and got to eat fresh papaya off the tree, which was amazing. Um, But more so, I went to Karanda. And Karanda is a mission hospital that was established about 40 years ago by some missionaries to serve in that region. Um, It's close to where, I guess they call it the bush, Growing up in Alaska, the bush means something different to me. (laughs) But either way, it means kind of off the beaten path. Um, So a few pictures of the hospital. Um, That's their wheelchair service and their ambulance service and everything else. Um, The lower picture just shows kind of it's an open courtyard. Um, It's actually like a 130-bed hospital. a few pictures of that's their new male ward and kind of the bottom corner there. And that upper picture, that's their NICU, so their neonatal ICU unit. Um, that's it. <laughs> um, that blue light is their version of how to treat uh, high bilirubin or other jaundice or other sorts of issues. So um, they do a lot with what little they have. Um, so kind of why did I go? As much as it was a fun adventure, um, my, my main purpose of going was uh, to show the love of Christ through medical service. Um, most of you guys know I'm a resident physician at Waukesha, um, so they, they let me go for four weeks to be able to serve in Zimbabwe. And part of my other uh, reason for going was that um, knowing that short-term missions often are limited in their effect simply because they're short. They only kind of offer a snapshot in time. So one of my main purposes was also to just to provide relief for the long-term missionaries that were there. Um, Also, they let me go from residency, so I had to have an academic purpose. (laughs) So um, also just to increase my knowledge of developing world medicine, and then also a personal goal. Um, Chuck and I have often talked about either doing short-term or long-term overseas medical missions as well. Um, He's always asked me, what can I do during those? Which, when I showed up and they asked me why my husband wasn't with me, and I was like, he didn't know he'd have a job. And they said, he can do everything. (laughs) Which, if many of you know Chuck, pretty much. So, um, (laughs) he would have been very useful there. But, so, what did I do? So, obviously, saw patients, and um, we did on that, on the right-hand side of the screen, that's their well child checks. Um, that's how they weigh the babies uh, <laughs> that is a scale hanging from a tree in a school courtyard um, and that little guy was very healthy and uh, met all of his growth requirements <laughs> um, also they uh, their main medical service to that entire region is through either the outpatient department or the inpatient their outpatient department is um, a combination of everything from an ER to an urgent care to their well visits all of those included and very different than in the United States. I sat in a little desk, and people lined up along benches, and they just scooted one down from the other, and just kept seeing me that way. So, um, and in there is when we actually needed to have a more, a little bit more private. You can see that, um, that's in the kind of the blue. So obviously, I don't speak Shona, which is the native language of the people of that part of Zimbabwe. So the nurses there were kind enough to translate. Thankfully all of medicine is in English. (laughs) So um, they were great and a a really big help. Um, So and part of also like I said serving the long term uh, missionaries that were there. Um, So these are just a few of the faces of the long term missionaries that I got to meet and um, got to help. Um, So kind of what did I learn? So as part of all this adventure kind of you saw my objectives, why I was hoping to go, so I knew that I wanted to serve the long term missionaries i didn 't realize how much the need was <laughs> when I got there um, it's a hundred and twenty bed hospital which they add on beds in other words known as the floor as needed um, and there was only three physicians that were there when I showed up because one of them had an injury himself and was unable to move, so that kind of limited his. and the other one was actually making the transition from a different hospital so um, I walked in and they said, great, you'll fill the spot of two doctors who are used to practicing medicine in Zimbabwe. (laughs) Um, So that was a lot of fun. Um, But as part of it, so definitely the need was there. I was able to uh, definitely serve. But one of the hard parts about it was that medicine is very different there in a lot of different ways in which I both expected and did not expect. Um, One of the times that I wanted to share with you You know, there were lots of stories of healing, and I think that those are, I think, probably what people expect me to talk about today, um, where God provided miraculous recoveries in the midst of our limitations of medicine and and whatnot, but but what I want to share with you is actually a time where that didn't happen. Um, When I was there, um, I was launched into also caring for their pediatric ward um, with some very, very sick children, Um, a lot of them starting out not not well, just because of malnutrition, so that when disease hits, it's a lot more serious. Um, one of them, so one day, about a week after I was there, um, a child died completely unexpectedly. I was doing fine. I did not. And everything I could have thought about that what might have went wrong, I couldn't test for. I couldn't find out. And if I had, I couldn't treat there. So limited. <laughs> so that was a rough day. <laughs> Only to be followed by the next day, a kid that I knew was going to die, and as much as we prayed, we did not have the resources to fulfill that need for that child, and that child passed away in the night, and it, that's a hard reality when you know that God is sovereign, that even in the midst of the limitations that I have, shoot, I'm just a resident, right? I still have things to learn. Even if I had the best knowledge in the world, even if I had the best resources in the world, it was to the point that when that little girl came in, it was, um, it was also something that she was sick enough to start with that even if I could have flown her to the US that night, she probably would have still died. That's awful, <laughs> especially when we serve a sovereign God and it just breaks your heart. And you know that it breaks his. So I was struggling with that. Part of the reason why I was hoping to go to Zimbabwe was also that there's plenty of people that suffer here in Milwaukee. Many people that suffer in Waukesha, but I wanted, honestly, selfishly, I wanted to be around other physicians who had that viewpoint through Christ's light. But here I was; they were so understaffed. Essentially, I was alone. <laughs> I did, I was able to kind of talk through some of this with uh, one of the one of the missionaries and whatnot. But I was really struggling with this, and I was taking a walk um, down a road, and I came across that's a scotch cart. And the picture there. You can see it's a two-wheeled cart pulled by um, two oxen. Um, and so there's lots of accidents with that and um, they're fairly useful but dangerous um, out in the rural areas. That's what most people use for transportation as well as for um, different things with their livelihood. And I was watching this scotch cart walk along the road and, and it was clearly an older oxen and then a very young that they were trying to train. And the younger one was just pulling away pulling away and trying to get away from this cart that kept following it. Um, <laughs> and down these, de- these dirt roads, and trying to pull the cart into a ditch, and <laughs> all these sorts of fun things that the poor person was trying to control. Um, and I felt God just kept saying, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And my first reaction was like, no, it's not. No, it's not. I just watched two kids die, and you could have stopped it, and I know that you're sovereign, and I know that you have a reason why, but no, it's not. It's not easy, and it's not light. So that image kind of stuck in my head, and I watched again as this oxen struggled with the idea that it was attached to this cart. Um, and God kept having me run into scotch carts <laughs> all along my and and again, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And I was like, okay, God, I get it. Yes, I'm supposed to just say that my yoke is e- that yes, that with you it is but he kept bringing to mind that young oxen who kept trying to get away and it it was this probably one of the main lessons of Zimbabwe for me was that the burden doesn't go away the cart doesn't get released the yoke doesn't get released but in that that is our salvation is the fact that if if only he had acted like those two oxen (laughs) the yoke would have been easy the burden would have been light because it would have at least for me when I when I fully attach myself and stop fighting the yoke of Christ because I have willingly joined him, that that's when, that's when the burden is easy and the burden is light. Because with him, that's really the only way to handle this and that's really the only way to even process the fact that tragedy happens. Um, and of course I was doubting all of this and I came here after the first Sunday of being back to you all who I love dearly and um, the word for that day and I was starting to doubt whether that was just my sort of way of processing this or whether this was truly God's word to me. And what was the word for the day? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, got the message. Um, <laughs> so I guess that's just kind of my reminder to you is that no matter where we are, there's always going to be burdens, there's always going to be hardships, there's always going to be so- suffering and it's tough because we serve a sovereign God and yet here we are. But Keep walking. Keep staying attached. Because when you don't fight the yoke, that's when it's light. So, all right. Here's Pastor. I'm
0: not so sure I want to follow that. Good news is this these children that are under the age of accountability, they go to heaven. And I can say that theologically, but I'm not gonna that's not my message today. But these children who die, they go to heaven. God is a God who knows what's down the road, so we just don't know. Amen. Well, it's a good testimony. I think that was hard on Molly. I think it was hard on Chuck, too. <laughs> but, you know, these short term mission trips, I've taken a few of these, not like what you took, but they change your life. They will change your life. And so, um, you know, a lot of times I, well, quite often I go on short term mission trips and, um, if you'd like to come with me, you got the shekels, you're welcome to come with. I want you to know that. Um, I'm always glad to have company. In fact, I don't like traveling alone. I really don't. Recently, uh, it was about a year ago, it was, I went with Al and Sandy. Al and Sandy. I usually say Sal and Andy. So I went with the Deerings. And, it was—it was—it's it was a, a lot of fun going with people that you know. You think a lot of it. It, it does—it changes their lives. Okay, also, it's good. It's good to go on a short-term mission trip. But this is a, this was a very specific one, and it was—I uh, uh, talked to Molly about going to Mexico with me someday, and this, that's going to be a breeze compared to the one you were just at. So, Amen. Let's let's turn the page and let's move on. I'm talking about kingdom people today. Kingdom people, very simple. Kingdom people. Recently, I had an insurance gal come to my house, and she was going to sell us insurance. And she came in, and she said, "We're all God's. We're all God's. Um, we're all God's children." And I didn't say anything, but I heard what she said. And she went on to try to sell us an insurance policy. And We had her come back a couple weeks later, and she said that again. She said, we're all God's children. I had to correct her. I said, you know, we're not all God's children. We're only God's children if we receive his son, Jesus Christ. Then we become one of his His children. God loves the world, but not everybody is his child. And she thought about it. She said, you know, you're right. I've been saying that for many years, and no one's ever corrected me. And I said, well... Take it for what it's worth. In Mark 1, verse 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. It's just not believe the good news, but repent and believe the good news. It's easy just to believe the good news, but you know, you have to repent and believe the good news. So, to the Galileans in those days, hearing that the kingdom of God is near, that wasn't so cut and dry. Because they didn't have the new covenant scriptures to help define what the kingdom of God is really all about. So what did it mean to them? The kingdom of God is near. Some might have thought it meant the state of things in heaven and on earth. Some might have thought it meant the reign of Christ on the earth. Some might have thought it meant the establishment of believers on the earth. Some might have thought it meant the reign of of Christ in the hearts of his disciples And some might have thought it meant the beginning, something new, when Christ would set up his kingdom and begin his dominion on earth. So to me, it means all the above. All the above. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this good time when I get to share this word. And God, I pray that people would have a greater understanding of their responsibility and who they are in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. In the beginning, in the beginning, the kingdom of God that Jesus proclaimed only included Jewish people. Can you believe that? Only Jewish people. But after the death, burial, and and resurrection of Jesus, things soon changed when the Jewish believers heard that non-Jewish people people were hearing and believing the Jewish gospel of reconciliation to God. And the question of the time was, how could non-Jews, how could Gentiles be part of the kingdom of God? They're not even Jewish. Maybe they should convert to Judaism? Now, without much commentary, let's read about this controversy. In Acts 14, verse 19, just read along with me. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. Now, listen to this. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. Picture that! Paul is stoned. I mean, he was stoned, and they thought he was dead. I can, you know, when you're stoned, you're not. I've seen the rocks over there, and the rocks haven't gotten any smaller. And there's ammunition all over the place. Okay? And these are big, like baseball-sized rocks. They're taking these things, and they're tossing them at them. And they hit them in the body, they hit them in the head. When you get hit in the head, let me tell you, with a rock, you bleed. And oy, do you bleed? You bleed profusely. And he was hit and he was knocked. And then they dragged him. They dragged him, the Bible says, out of the city. So they didn't drag him six feet. They dragged him. Along come some believers, they stand around him, they're standing around him. What do you think they were doing standing around him? They were, they were, they gathered around him, they were praying. He got up and went back into the city. They thought he was a dead duck. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. You get the picture? They, pre- they preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. You know, Disciples need to constantly be reminded to stay true to the faith because disciples have a tendency not to become disciples and drift away, and this isn't good. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in, uh, in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Poseidon, they came to Pamphylia, and when they had uh, preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. From Attilia they sailed back to Antioch, where they, had been, uh, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them, and how he had opened the, the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples." Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. You get the question. The question was, listen, these guys were saying, listen, you have to... Take you have to become Jewish, and when you convert to Judaism, if you happen to be a male, you go under the knife. The church sent them in, um, on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. Had been converted. This news made all the brothers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and and required to obey the law of Moses. In other words, they must convert, they must become Jewish. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up. And address them. This is Peter, brothers. You know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit, by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as He did to us. He made no distinction between us and them for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. So so the, when that happened, when that happened, um, the... The doors were open, and the fact that anybody within the world could come and get saved. So roughly 12 years from the decision in Jerusalem, Paul wrote a special letter. He wrote an epistle to the Gentile believers in Ephesus. And in that letter, he mentioned their incredible new life since they became joined to God and the Jewish believers through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so this is what he writes, a portion of what he wrote. In Ephesians 2.11, he says, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body of hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. You were separate from the Messiah. The Mashiach, excluded from citizenship, now this is important, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants and the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, that would be he's our shalom. So see, there was Jew and Gentile. Uh, they didn't get along so well, now especially in Israel at that time. And so through the cross, the divi- you know, the divi- their divisions are gone because of the blood of Jesus and through the cross, those divisions are gone. They're still Jews, they're still Gentiles, but all these divisions are gone He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Now listen, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Verse 12, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise. So Paul is reminding, he's reminding those Gentile believers to grasp the tremendous unifying accomplishments of Jesus Christ. Unifying accomplishments. From a historical view, Before God manifested himself in the flesh, God dealt with with people to be his only through the natural seed of Abraham. But since Christ, and even today, God has been moving on Jews and Gentiles throughout the world who are willing to individually become disciples of Christ. And it's those individual believers who are the ones who make up God's new covenant, people, kingdom of God, people. He has made them fellow citizens of his eternal kingdom, his nation, his new creation. From a new creation view, in Galatians 3.14, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So from a new covenant view, God is dealing with a new body of believers who make up the citizenship of the kingdom of God. Not everybody is a member of the, is a citizen of the kingdom of God. Only, only those have received the king through his son. And these citizens are both individual Jews and Gentiles who have given their lives to Jesus Christ. To anyone in the world who would want to be reconciled to God through Christ, God promises to give a new spirit, dwell within them, and then give them citizenship in his kingdom. of which Jerusalem has been and will always be the capital. The capital of the kingdom of God is Jerusalem. The the, the capital of the kingdom of God is not Madison, Wisconsin. Far from it. The capital, the capital is where the, the king will reign. And when Jesus comes back, when he comes back, Guess where he's setting up headquarters? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. That's the capital. As citizens of God's kingdom, we have a responsibility, and that's to pray for the peace of our capital. You hear what I'm saying? Today is a day where all around the world people are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We had a prayer meeting this morning here, and in many churches that understand this truth. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In Psalm 122, I was glad when the psalmist said, I was glad when they said to me, hold on, I got the wrong version. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There the thrones for judgment stand, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my brothers and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Churches know Churches know, if, if I would ask a hundred different pastors, are we to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, They w- I would say probably 99 out of a hundred would say, yeah. And then I would ask, why? Now, I've done that. I've asked at least a dozen pastors in the Milwaukee area, do you know we're supposed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? They go, yeah, I know that. Do you know why? <sighs> I don't recall. <laughs> or no, I don't know. And then I give them a booklet. And I want to give you a booklet. We are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Okay, Why do we pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Um, I went to Bible college, and I was taught we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But I couldn't I didn't know why because God said so that should be good enough but there are other reasons and and so I wrote a booklet a while ago why pray for the peace of Jerusalem a believers guide to kingdom responsibility it's our responsibility as being members of the kingdom of God to pray for the peace of Jerusalem Why it's written, I've got seven reasons why it's in this booklet, just a small booklet. Um, How many have read this already? A few of you, some have not, okay. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you a gift. And so I want you to to take these home and, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want you to take this home and uh, and read it. Read it, and don't throw it away. It's a cool booklet, and Judy worked hard on putting these together. So, don't hurt Judy's feelings, because when she's invited to your house, she would like to see that on the coffee table. Can you see why? One of the reasons we have a responsibility. God's kingdom consists of not ev- God's kingdom. His children are not everybody. They are those that receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Jesus said, I am the way, truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You have to go through Christ. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. We have a responsibility. If any church should understand this, it should be ours. Today, the Aglow Women in the, in our area they uh, they had a we, they were planning a a time of prayer, and they didn't know how many to have. Last year, they met in our building and they met in the prayer room, and it was it was packed. So they said, "Listen, can we do it?" Uh, on a Sunday I said yeah but I've got services I said why don't you have your ladies join us well they said well we didn't know how many will be there so we thought well there'd be a lot there'd be a few but I did, we didn't realize what was going to happen a lot did not show up just a few showed up but they prayed and they prayed and people from our church came and prayed people from Beth Messiah they came and prayed pray for the peace of Jerusalem but you know what it's not just intercessors It's not just a job of intercessors. It's the job of citizens of the household of faith. Citizens of God's kingdom to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Not once a year, but consistently throughout the year, you pray for the peace. Why? Read that booklet. You'll find out. Let's all stand together, please. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you made the way for everybody to enter your kingdom, your new covenant kingdom. And God, I pray that we realize we have a responsibility as a child of God, as a priest of the new kingdom, to pray for our capital, the capital of the kingdom, which is Jerusalem. Thank you, Lord. We receive that that order to do it, that command to do it. We see it's not an option. God, I pray for us that we never forget that we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In Jesus' name. We all said? Amen. 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 God bless you. I love you a lot.